I'm Mike McGinnis. And I'm Carrington Vanston. And you're listening to No Quarter, the classic video arcade game podcast. And why are you doing such things? <laughs> Have you nothing better to do than to listen to because you like these games and you don't just like the dulcet sounds of my sweet, sweet voice in your ear. <laughs> <laughs> That's really creepy. Dulcet, are you dulcet? I can't be. <laughs> nice. Okay, cool. The restraining order says that I shouldn't be, though. So. <laughs> 500 yards! 500 yards! Don't you hate it when you meet exes and they just all they want to do is yell that at you? <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike, what's new? Not much here. It's just been really, really, really hot, and I'm already tired of it. Mm-hmm. It's really, really hot, too, and I, I also have started complaining about the heat in exactly the way that I complain about the cold. There's this tiny little window of temperature that I like. And above or below that, I just whine. Yeah, I think that's a nerd trait. You know, mm. It comes from being indoors too much. and being I know, sick indoors is so wonderfully temperature controlled. <laughs> so what's new in the world of uh, arcade classic gaming stuff? Any, did we get any feedback? We got a bunch of feedback, actually, which is good because we don't have a lot of news. I- I've got a news. Well, why don't we get the news out of the way first, then? Sure. I, I-, I have a news. <laughs> I've- I've- I know that mostly I just leave you to do all the actual work for the show, and I'm just the laughing monkey behind the scenes. Um, but yeah, I've got a news via your other podcast co-host, Ken Gagney, because I got a note in email saying that Ken Gagney had backed a Kickstarter campaign um, because on Kickstarter, you can sign up to track what other people do. And I, I just walk behind Ken and watch what he does and back what he backs. And so he backed something called boss fight books. And it's a, it builds itself as a new press for great books on classic video games. Our launch titles, Earthbound, Galaga, Super Mario Brothers 2, ZZT, yeah, I said Zed, and Jagged Alliance 2. I'm less familiar with some of those games than others, but it's pretty cool. So it's going to be a series of books, and they're launching with five of them, and then supposedly there'll be more. They'll come out in both paperback and a whole range of ebook formats. You can buy them directly from the publisher as well as online and and that sort of thing. They were looking to raise $5,000 to to kick off the books and they have uh um raised over 35,000 so far with still 4 or 5 days left to go. So it's definitely going to get funded and seems pretty cool. So the the books look interesting. I love the the covers on them and I haven't jumped into actually uh, sponsor this or actually um support it yet cuz I've soured a little bit on on Kickstarter, but I thought the campaign looks really interesting. So we will have a link in the show notes in case other people are less uh, grumpy old manish than me and want to actually chip in a few bucks. That's awesome. I want to read that. Well, then you can go over to our website, which is monsterfeed.com slash no quarter, and you can read all about it. For me personally, though, I'm, I'm, I have a problem with Kickstarter. Uh-oh, and, tell us and, all about it, Karen. Uh, just a minor problem. And the problem is it gets on my nerves. Because <laughs> here's oh, the thing. Okay. There's great projects out there, and I've supported a bunch of them, and I really, really in- I like it. Like, something will come out. Like, I, I'll say, yeah, I want that to exist. Have a few dollars and send it to me. But then the Kickstarter people want to have a relationship with me. And I don't want a relationship. I want to hand them money. Then after a while, they surprise me with a gift. And instead, they want to send me, like, weekly emails. Here's what's happening. I'm like, you know what? I don't care what's happening. This is just a slow purchase. I've handed you my money. Now go away and bring me back my stuff. And I find increasingly I'm now of the mindset, I'd rather just, I'll wait later and I'll buy it. A bunch of sites have sprung up. Like you can go to outgrow.me and it's a site that simply sells things that were successful Kickstarters. So I have decided mostly I'm just going to buy stuff in the future because I can just pay my money, get the thing and not have to have like a dating relationship with the Kickstarter people. You know, they do make, 
things called filters for your email, right? I don't want to go to that kind of effort. <laughs> wow. So just it's I don't know, and and I'm a, I'm an immediate gratification kind of guy. Like I see it, I want it. Here's my money. Give me, give me, give me. And then three months later, I'm like I'm do- I'm bored with this. I'm done with this. Stop emailing me about it. It's, like, it's not even the thing I've got to play with. So unless you yeah. haven't got the the emails, and then three months later when it shows up, you're like, yay. Yeah, and and it bothers me though. In Kickstarter, I guess there's no way for Kickstarter campaigns to just say you've backed me. And we, therefore, we know your address have it. No, everybody has to independently write me on some other system saying, please sign up for this account and give me all your credentials again. I'm like, oh, really? I gave you my money. Isn't that enough? So anyway, that's my whining about Kickstarter. But that said, Boss Fight Books looks kind of cool. So I, we will link that in the show notes. And that is my news. I have a news. I have a couple of items. None of them very exciting. What do you got? What do you got? You and I talked about your Fix-It Felix Jr. game and how you might liberate the code on that encrypted hard drive. Code should be liberated. It may not be necessary anymore. Uh, I know. Isn't this interesting? Yeah, it's kind of neat. that. Uh, so there's a game company in Utah called Avalanche Games, I think. Mm-hmm. And they're the company that Disney contracted to actually build the game that went in the cabinet. And they have leaked the game files. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering how uh, much trouble they'll get in for that. Yeah, no, I don't know because, you know, Disney, with the movies, you have the build-up to the movie and it's a big event, makes a bunch of money. Um, a few months later, the DVD comes out and, and they make some more money and then that's pretty much the end of it. You know? Yeah, but they still they sell games based on it. It's still a property. So I don't know. You, Disney's not big on the whole, oh, don't worry about it. Let's let it be free. <laughs> Well, that's true. Disney is the, the company that was known for figuring out how to perpetually copyright something. Mm-hmm. So, Which is also ties in so well with this week's game. It's like we chose it on purpose. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. Uh, but it, that is kind of neat. Now, it is an early version of the game, so it's kind of mm-hmm. buggy. There's There are some problems with it. Um, there are some samples, I guess, that are missing, and it crashes in places. But if you're trying to build a cabinet that has the actual game instead of that, that, that Flash version that, that right. I guess, isn't close at all, you can get the files, download them, burn them to an EEPROM, stick them on your board, whatever you want to do, and you'll have something closer to what uh, Disney released in the cabinet. Yeah, it's just too bad it's buggy. Yep. I was disappointed. I was like, oh, oh well. Mine is awesome. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> and finally, MAME 0.149 was released. If anyone who's listening to the show doesn't know that already, you can go and pick that up. I don't know what new features these, this emulator brings, but, but if you... Download the the new ROM set. It may break some things that used to work before, so just be careful to keep copies of stuff that you want to continue to play. Exactly. And the ROM sets, the entirety of a ROM set is a very, very large download. So, And I find once I have a system working, like I have an earlier version, MAME 0.9 point something else, and it's stable and my ROMs are mostly functional and I'm not messing with it. (laughs) Because it's a pain. Right. Well, there's really no reason to upgrade unless there's a game out there that, that you want that wasn't emulated and now is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, the ROM sets are huge. And especially if you get the compressed hard drive files, then, then you're talking, you know. To be honest, I would recommend that if people out there would like to get a complete MAME set and are a bit data a bandwidth constrained the way most of us are, like it's tough to justify a 500 gig download that's going to put people, most people over their caps. 
honestly the way to go or there's lots of pl- people out there that are i don't know what they're called angels or something like that and basically they will burn you everything to either disk or hard drive and mail it to you and how the system works is you send them disks or you send them a hard drive and for free they will mail it back to you or for a nominal fee which just is the price of the hardware they will basically buy an external hard drive put everything on it and send it to you so they're not charging you for the data they're just charging for the drive i don't know if that's going to actually hold up in court but um that's so you can look for that sort of service and there's lots of people out there that do that most people i know that have complete rom sets that's how they get it because it's really simple you you send somebody like 50 bucks they and they send you back a external hard drive already set up with everything on it yeah it's very cool to see the old bootlegger system updated to exactly apply this way Totally awesome. And also is in keeping with the copyright breaches of this game we're going to talk about this week. <laughs> but, <laughs> all, we got a theme going, man. We do, but we have feedback first. Ah, oh, feedback. I like feedback. People like to talk to us and we like to talk to them. So Classy Freddy Blassie. I'm sure you remember that name. Mm-hmm. He is catching up in the podcasts that he's listening to. Um, he's up to Spectar. And he was one of the people that actually... Um, suggested this game requested that we talk about it oh cool he says it's pretty bad when you are one of the surprisingly many people who requested this game and still don't recognize the music not only the week <laughs> before the podcast but even after being told what the game is next week well it was, <laughs> that's true it was the game that we uh i think didn't you say we had the most yeah we had um, more requests than, for that we had more than 30 requests and then like no feedback about it <laughs> maybe people didn't like what we said about well, it. the only feedback that we got was i would never heard of that game i'm gonna go check it out <laughs> He says, I think you both beat my high score on this game, which reminds me, I was dumb and forgot you posted your scores in the show notes. Uh, we do. In the show notes, we post our scores and we put them uh, embedded in the MP3 file as well, are the notes and they have the... And if we beat your scores, that's pretty sad, dude, because we I think if, if I recall, we were both pretty bad at that game. Part of the thing that I've noticed about doing this podcast with you, especially with games that I've never played before, we only play these games for a week. Right. And we got to fit them in with jobs and pretending to have girlfriends and, and things like that. So we don't actually get to play a whole lot. So our score is probably going to suck a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of times there's only an hour or so spread around the week that I actually get to play the game. And some games I've gone back to, like I keep playing elevator action, even though you didn't like it, you're wrong. It's awesome. <laughs> and I, my high score now is way higher than it was in the show. I've played certain games and Mappy as well. Love Mappy. Holy cow. I got hooked on Mappy and I can't stop playing it. Um, and Gravatar is another one, uh, which of course I have the stand up full Gravatar cabinet. So I play that quite a bit too. Um, I still suck at it, but at least I'm better than I was in when we did the recording. So, well, that's sort of what I do when you pick a game that sucks and I know it's going to suck. I just don't even play it. Like, <laughs> just go play Donkey Kong for the week. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> so you said you were going to do that. I don't have a lot week. to talk about this week. Yeah, I believe we're going to disagree about this week's oh, game, which oh, is yes. awesome. So, but first, Mr. Blassie goes on to say, uh, thanks for the Space Invaders movie link. Mm-hmm. By the way, we didn't provide him a link to go and get this movie, just so that anyone who's listening that cares about that sort of thing knows. He does say, it's interesting to note on the piracy issue how companies who never originally owned something because uh, become default authorities to be paid. He's talking about Amazon getting money for this guy's movie. That's right, yeah. Now it's loaded with commercials uh, as if you were watching TV. I wonder if companies taking a frontier away and saying we own it could be a form of stealing, just ask the, the Indians. Thanks for the movie, Pirate Bay. Uh, I mean, Wooden Horse Productions. <laughs> so, um, Classy, I, I hope that you did go ahead and donate something to the And movie. that's the main thing. Like, Because as much as I am quite anti-copyright, it doesn't mean that I don't think people should be paid for what they do. And I think the idea of just, you know, go get the movie however you can so that you can actually use it within your rights and then still flip this guy the money. He's, he's set up a way to pay him. 
everybody wins. My main game pick for you guys is Toki, T-O-K-I. I I don't think I've heard of that. Okay, I've played that. I've played Toki Toki on iPad. So presumably it's related to that. He says, I think it will exceed your expectar (laughs) Well, that was quite a contortion there, Freddy. (laughs) Still. (laughs) I mean, expectations. I don't know if I've played Toki, though, so I will have to look it up. Uh, Vintage Volts on Facebook Mm -hmm. talked a little bit about uh, last week's game, Bubbles from Williams. He says, with all those razor blades, it sounds like this game would be perfect to place in that old meth joint mentioned in the podcast. (laughs) I agree. Well, I think we can summarize it with the pun, Bubbles Blows. I listened to the last episode, and I was like, I keep saying that this game blows, and yet I don't realize the, my own pun I'm making. <laughs> it's only subsequent I realized, ah, that's what I was saying. Mike Whalen says about the most I can say with regard to trying to guess this week's game is that I heard Williams' sounds in the samples. That didn't help, though, because Williams used these pulsing sounds everywhere. Video games, pinballs, etc., etc. It was probably hold music when you called the company. <laughs> and he's right. Yeah, we didn't talk about that too much. In, in addition to reusing high scores, uh, screens and fonts, uh, and pretty much everything you could think of, Williams also reused sound samples in almost all other games. And the thing is, I'm actually in favor of the way they did that because the Williams games are of a type. Like, they have a feel to them. It's like a director who has a... When you see their film, you can tell it's their film. And that's one of the things I like about Williams. It's the reason why I think Williams would deserve their own show. I think last week when you mentioned that, I thought that was a really good idea that we should do a show on Williams because they do have a lot of things going that give them their own tropes, their own style. uh, And I liked that about Williams games. Yeah, I do too. And I think part of it is because of the finish and the polish and the amount of effort that they did put into most of their games because most of them were very, very good. If they had put out a string of... Crappy games that all reuse a bunch of elements like that, we would just call them lazy and, and make fun of them. But because they pulled it off so well, we say, hey, that's not that's not them just being lazy. This is a Williams signature. Vintage Volts agrees with Mike. He says, my my Williams laser ball pinball machine sounds like I'm playing, and he's got this all is one word, Defender Joust Bubbles and Robotron 2084 all mixed together. I think that's the end of the Facebook feedback. We do have a couple of Twitter things. I promise, ladies and gentlemen, we will get to the to the game. Well, what, who am I kidding? I promise, lady and gentlemen, that we'll get to the game. We have at least three regular female listeners because they that's have written in. Yes, I'm sorry. That was very sexist. And somebody can beat me up at Kansas Fest. Ooh, can it be me? Dibs. Dibs on your smackdown. <laughs> be a long line, I promise. <laughs> We talked about Flicky a couple of weeks ago. We did, and it's fun to say, Flicky, Flicky, Flicky. And we'd mentioned uh, Matt Sefton and his Flicky 1984 Tumblr and his Flickr page and all this Mm -hmm. Flicky Flicker. Mm -hmm. Well, he he followed us back on Twitter, which you can do too if you'd like, at No Quarter Show. And he says, thanks for the mention. You should have hit me up for a guest slot. We've never had any guests yet. Oliver Gunnard uh, is another regular listener. I had asked a couple of weeks ago whether people wanted us to continue to do the news and stuff like that. He says I like the new stuff section too. So, Yeah, so far, I mean, and I personally really like you because you're sort of my primary source of news for the RKK. So I'm, I'm glad that you go out and find these links and things to discuss. So I also vote you keep doing that. Dr. Quest tweeted us saying, Bubbles, the game you are not quite sure what is going on or the point of the game. Yes, I agree. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well put. That's exactly the case. That's the feeling I had playing it. At Ion Farmer tweeted us both and he said uh, he was at Fun Spot. Oh, jealous. I'm so jealous. He said, I've got first initials on all the games here. No competition. 
I wish for an annual No Quarter Show podcast there. And I said, wouldn't that be awesome? Sounds like a wonderful idea. Oh, I love that idea. Like if we ever have a gathering of any sort, it's got to be a fun spot. I have yet to ever go. So I'm a big loser. Um, and I need to go to fun spot and I need to go relatively soon. I think we should figure out how to make our listeners pay for that trip for us. <laughs> I just need the time. I, and I kept thinking, how could I stretch my trip either down or back from Kansas Fest to sort of swing to the left a bit and, and hit there? But I just, it doesn't look like I'll have time. So yeah, it sounds Alas. like a, sounds like a great idea, but it's a couple thousand miles away from me it's not something that i can drive to like vegas on the weekend or something but uh it is a good idea i like it and maybe we'll try to figure it out someday when i'm rich and famous yep and definitely if either of us are going to go we should just you know give a shout out on the podcast so if any listeners want to meet up and you know do battle do mighty battle over quarters then uh, i'd be up for that okay today's game what what i like about today's game well, I like a whole bunch of things about today's game, but what I like about the way we announced today's game or this week's game is the sound sample. I got to pick this week's game, so I also picked this week's sound sample, and I picked a little tiny, tiny one because the game is relatively famous, and I'm sick of people saying that we make it too easy, so I thought there. <laughs> what I should let the listeners know is Mike and I sort of joke about this because when we record the podcast, often we don't actually have the sound sample to be able to shove in. It has to be put in post and editing, so we're, we just leave a little bit of blank in it it gets edited in. Um, Mike and I usually just say the word beep. <laughs> so when we're recording, we'll just we'll go beep. <laughs> so that's how it sounds when we do it live. And in this case, I tried to emulate that by basically giving everyone a beep. And that beep came from the game Scramble. That's our game. It's awesome. I don't have anything to say about the game, so I'm just wondering <laughs> if you just talk about it. I thought it was terrible. I, okay, so I'm going to talk about the game a little bit. Um, and then we will discuss what's wrong with you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the game itself was developed by Konami and it was published. I know it as being published by Stern. That's how it was published in North America, but it was also published in the EU by CompuGames AS. And I'm really not familiar with who they are. And it was published in Asia by Arctic, um, Arctic rather. And I'm less familiar with them as well. So Stern is for me, this is a Stern game. It's a very Stern game. It is a side-scrolling space shooter, and you have a little little character that I think they just call to as they refer to it as the jet. And your jet, which does look like a, a jet airplane, is flying off to to the right on an uh, essentially endless landscape, going through zones. Oh, listen, you! It's sort of like um, Moon Patrol in that either you're going oh, to the oh, one sorry, side. And there are zones. I'm going to mute your mic. (laughs) (laughs) So you're just wrong, man. This game is awesome. And so you're flying and you can shoot forward and you can also drop bombs. You can have up to two bombs going at once. So you've got the two different buttons. And the idea is um, while you fly, you have to pick up fuel. And here's where the metaphor gets a little strange. The way you pick up fuel is you destroy a ground-based fuel tank and you suddenly have more fuel. I don't know how if you drop a bomb or shoot a fuel tank, it fills you up, but it does. And the idea is to try to get through the five zones and they have different things you do. Like you're going through mountains, you're going through caverns, you're sometimes you're avoiding meteors coming at you and you're trying to get through five zones. And then finally there'll be a base and right behind a Konami building. There'll be a base and you have to destroy the base. And that essentially, I guess, ends the game. Uh, from what I can read, this is a game where you get to the end and it finishes. I wouldn't know that from firsthand because I can't get past Zone 5. <laughs> it's so frustrating. So why don't you like this game, Mike? It is a classic of arcade games. So was this uh, a game that you were able to, to beat when you were younger and now you're having trouble with nope. it? Nope. 
Nope. I think I get as far as I ever got. I would always get to the same place in, in this sort of maze of buildings you go through and I run out of fuel or I hit a wall mm-hmm. every time I did it as a kid. I do it now. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> I'm told if you make little noises like that, people think you're interested in what they're saying. What I don't get is how <sighs> you're not captivated by this game. This game is classic, iconic arcade gameplay. It's colorful. It's fun. I like the game mechanic. I find the, the, I, I just like everything about this. I like, I like the graphics. Look, I, I like the sounds. I like, all right, enough. Why don't you like this game? <laughs> What's wrong with you? I, I, I didn't, I didn't hate this game. I didn't actively, I didn't even actively dislike it. I was just bored with it. It felt very, very repetitive. <sighs> and, and not saying that there are great, are not great games out there that are, aren't repetitive. Donkey Kong certainly is. But whatever it is that, you know, when, when I get killed by the barrels or fall off the, the elevators or whatever in Donkey Kong that keeps me coming back, makes me go, er, I gotta try that again, was missing from this game. I just didn't care enough to drop more virtual quarters into it. But they're um, free. <laughs> and even that couldn't motivate me. <laughs> it does require a bit of multitasking. You have to, as, especially once you get into level two, and I assume beyond, I can get past that. Um, because, it, well, the first, the first stage, okay, you, you're flying over this terrain and these missiles are coming up at you and you're trying to hit the fuel tanks. So you're basically using your two bombs to drop and try to hit the fuel tanks. And you, you right. only get two on the screen at a time, which adds to the difficulty because I found it very easy to, to get into a rhythm where you'd hit and miss and, and that would set you up to miss the next. Yes. Yeah. And you got to sort of take a pause to get your timing back going in. Yeah. I found the same thing. And, uh, so, and then into the next phase, while you're dropping the bombs, there are things, little, I don't know, fireflies or whatever they are bouncing up and down in the cave that you have to shoot while you're doing this. And for me, that's kind of a, a multitasking thing. And I didn't have, I hadn't, I don't have a lot of muscle memory for that sort of game yet. It takes me a lot longer to, to practice, practice, practice and get good enough to where I'm interested in continuing to play. Right. Okay. Um, and okay. there wasn't enough to hold my attention up until that point because it just felt very repetitive to me. Part of it, I think, is that this game felt a lot older, I think, than it is. I thought this game was made in maybe 78 or 79, just based on kind of the graphics are a little bit blocky and the sounds are, eh, the sounds are repetitive. I did, I did notice you mentioned the, the moon patrol sounds and I, I swear, I swear I heard some Moon Patrol samples were used in there somewhere. Do you think maybe voices. they stole copyrighted material? He said, keep it with no. this week's theme. <laughs> Overall, I didn't hate it. In fact, by, by next week, I will have forgotten not only the name of this game, but the fact that we had ever played it. But we're, I'm going to pick it for next week's game. Oh, no, too. <laughs> no, you're never picking a game again, sir. Well, I think you are in the minority here because I think this is a beloved game. I absolutely believe you are correct on that. And in fact, if you read the main history entry uh, for this game, the last sentence in the, in the intro paragraph says, Scramble is rightly considered to be a classic. It was the world's first ever multi-level shoot 'em up. Yeah, it was first, blah, blah, blah. Everything else in that sentence is wrong, 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 wrong. There's nothing well, classic about it. It's the, so the, boring. The ca- so in North boring. America, the stern version mm. of the cabinet sold over 10,000 units in the first two months. It took off and it took off fast. Maybe our listeners don't like it, but I think it's iconic. It's one of those games that I remember playing as a kid and I liked, and I immediately liked it just as much playing this time. I I believe that every one of our The children are our future. I love that too. Uh, I believe that every one of our, fu- our futures, every one of our <laughs> listeners will agree with you about what you just said. Well, sure. It's I think it's one of those games that's 
very simple in its gameplay. Like, I mean, this is a, this is an arcade game in the classic sense where you've just got joystick, a couple of buttons, you're moving a little spaceship on screen, you're trying to shoot stuff. Not really a lot of plot here. It's just, you know, it's a shoot 'em up. But I think it's wonderfully executed. Okay. So then the difference is execution here because when I was playing this, this felt a lot to me like Zarzon without the bugs. If you turn Zarzon sideways, that's, that's what this was. And we hated that game. You hated that game. I've learned to love it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sure thing. Now. <laughs> I, I thought the colors were very primary and basic, which can be good, but in this case, they're ugly. They need to hire a better um, interior decorator. I uh, see. I like the colors and I like the fact that the walls of the cavern you're going through will flash between like this bright red and bright blue. And it's, it's artificial, but I like that about it. It's very arcade. I was fun. about to, to mention that as a matter of fact, every few seconds as you're flying through the game, the, the color scheme changes and there's no reason for it. It just does. And I think it's because it's for whimsy. <laughs> they realize this game is boring and they're trying to spice it up and, oh, we'll just see what it looks like in, in this color palette. And then we'll switch to blues and browns. And <laughs> guess what? Your game still sucks. <laughs> Wrong. <sighs> so what, not only was this game hugely popular and rightfully so, <laughs> it was, Stop saying that. and like I said, <laughs> it sold 10,000 um, units in the first couple of months. It's also quite a famous game, and it's famous for a court case, which was Stern Electronics, Inc. versus Kaufman. Hear that, Kaufman? And Kaufman lost. And and I'm not delighted about this arcade court case because I'm not a copyright fan. And in keeping with the, the theme of this podcast, the, I think this, this court case fits right in perfectly. So what happened was, in April of 1981... Uh, a company called Omni Video Games Inc. started selling a cabinet called Scramble 2 that was basically a complete knockoff of Scramble. Like, wow. they weren't even being sold. So, talk of a Scramble, and they called it Scramble 2. <laughs> like, it's so, so, like, welcome to the 80s. Like, there's just no way somebody would do that nowadays. Wow. It's just hilarious. And what I find fun about this is this is the game that was released in in Japan first, and it came out in March 1981. So it's the next month, so it's like 30 days later, wow. a complete knockoff, fully functional cabinet starts getting sold by another company, and they call it Scramble 2. So clearly they just took the code and said, duplicate this, change a sprite <laughs> or two, bingo. So they got sued. And what's interesting about the lawsuit was it wasn't Konami, the developer, who sued them, it was Stern Electronics, because this was being sold in the US. So Stern, who had the exclusive rights to this, they had they had licensed the game, and so they therefore they were they were manufacturing it, they were putting out the game, but they weren't really they weren't the makers of the, the game code. They were the makers of the game cabinets. And that's an important distinction because the court case was about whether or not you can copyright those things. With an arcade with games in general and software in general, it was already the case that you could copyright actual code. So software itself could be copywritten. The actual code was copyrighted. But that wasn't, this wasn't Konami who made the code and owned the code suing them. It was Stern Electronics. They argued that they should have a copyright on the actual device. And they meant copyright the images, the sounds. It's a look and feel thing, something that Apple tried later on unsuccessfully. So, and Stern one. So this was a very groundbreaking, 
groundbreaking groundbreaking case where the it went to appeals court and the appeals court held it up it's uh, some sort of circuit court decided that in the US yes it was the case that you could copyright video images and sounds and so essentially copyright those elements of a game beyond just the code itself which opened up huge amounts of subsequent copyright like so copyrighted characters and that sort of thing and so this case led to those long strings of games where where developers would want to have um, intellectual property, want to have a Mario, a Sonic, something like that, because they could actually own the characters, own the sounds in in a very solid copyrighted way, and therefore uh, sort of leverage that intellectual property into multiple games. So it had huge resonating effects to this day. I think they ruled wrong. <laughs> I'm like, screw you. Now, that's not to say I don't think Omni Video Games in 30 days sticking out a complete knockoff called scramble Two should have been allowed to do that because oh that takes some cojones like they were clearly wrong but um this so this game is sort of famous for being one of the huge popular like hugely popular huge selling games from 1981 but it's also super famous as being that ground the basis behind that groundbreaking court case that has resonated to this day in in the arcade industry so it's a big case so there's a, a good summary of the case on wikipedia of all things that then links out to a, a bunch of all the other sources that sort of talk about the pros and cons of it and the effects it's had i fell down a, a rabbit hole of reading these things that just you know took up most of yesterday's afternoon when i should have been playing the game uh really interesting stuff though so i'll make sure we link to the wikipedia article and you can use that as a jumping off point if you're interested in sort of what came out of this court case because very very interesting stuff developed because of it Oh, but I should mention, though, in keeping with our theme, though, screw you, copyright. You can now play this game in tons of knockoffs online, and I'll also <laughs> link to at least two of those. <laughs> so, like, there's, like, 1980-games.com has a really good online scramble, and Flash and arcade-gameover.com has a good Java version. So I'm going to also link to all the knockoffs. <laughs> <laughs> I bet reading those court documents was more interesting than playing this game. <laughs> You're just a bitter old man, dude. You know why? It's because you suck at this game. I bet you if you were good, you would like it more. People are going to call me old man Mike, and I'm going to tell them get off my lawn. <laughs> and, and then you're still going to be wrong. They're going to call you old man eyelashes. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Anyway, back to whatever this is. It's Scramble. And what I find another interesting part, I'm going to just talk about this game this week because I really like it. Online, people describe this game all the time as a game that takes a four-way joystick, which makes no sense at all if you play this game. It requires and uses an eight-way joystick. You couldn't play this game with a four-way joystick. I don't understand why every site on the net seems to have this wrong. What's up with that, Mike? I found that odd as well. I don't know where that would come from because I, you got to move diagonally. Yep. I mean, it's, it's easy to die in this game, as I certainly found out. And <laughs> oh, you yes. did too a little bit later on. But uh, I, I don't know why they would have said that unless there's... I think what happened is one primary source put that, and most things on the internet are just copying, pasting, and not actually reading what they're doing. So this shows how pervasive that is in, in, in Carrington, uh, arcade this stuff. is what happens when you don't respect copyright. <laughs> I don't respect copyright, <laughs> and in the least. <laughs> so well, there. I, I, I don't, I'm not quite as liberal as you are with, as, with respect to copyright. I, I do think that it has its place. You know, com companies need to be able to... Make a profit on their, their properties. I think what we have in, in today, especially in, in America and, and to a lesser extent in other countries who are a little bit more sane and reasonable about this stuff, what we have here is just abused on, on a daily basis. But anyway, that sort of stuff always fascinates me. You know, there was the, the Apple versus Franklin case and there was the Apple versus right. Microsoft and Apple and, versus everybody. Yeah. <laughs> that also has continued to this day. Yeah. So, and, and it's, it's interesting to see how that affects the industry today. So. 
regardless of the outcome. Yeah. There's lots of great sites online that discuss the case and talk about the pros and cons and, and argue like who, who sort of messed up in the court and that kind of stuff. So really, really in- interesting and groundbreaking case. I think the judge yeah. should have declared a, declared an edict and just had this game banned and all the I think cabinets. they should have played for it. The judge should have just brought in a machine, high score wins, go to town. Round up all the cabinets and have them destroyed. <laughs> okay. So speaking of cabinets, let's talk about this one. If we must. We must. It's a very pretty cabinet. This is a great looking cabinet. It's yellow. And what I like about it is that it's like this mustardy kind of yellow color. And it stands out. There's not a lot of big yellow cabinets. When you walk in in a a traditional arcade, the scramble cabinet really stood out because they made this yellow body with uh, black and red, um, sort of a dark red side art. The side art's a little, you know, eh, kind of generic (laughs) to be honest, but it's Kind of colorful. It's got this this person and these flying jets above, and I don't know. Yeah, but if you're if you're in a in an arcade, a lot of those games are crammed in side by side anyway. Sure. So it's not like you're going to see a lot of that right. side art. I think that Konami did the right thing with this game and, and make you make the the cabinet have these primary colors that really stand out instead of a lot of messy side art where you have to kind of look at it for a while to figure out what's going on. Exactly. Games like yeah. this. Games like Satan's Hollow, where it's Satan's Hollow has amazing side art. It has this come play me feel to it, even if you regret it later on. And in a dark, smoky <laughs> arcade, that's the stuff that stands out when you walk down the aisle of games. It has this come play me feel to it, even if you regret it later on. That's my new favorite sound sample from our podcast. <laughs> Going to be using that quite a bit on my outgoing message. I think. Um, the The marquee on this is great, colorful, has the Scramble logo, but in almost like a... To me, weirdly, it looks like balloon animals because they're long, thin tubes with shiny bits on it. So it looks like it's made out of balloons. <laughs> like so, But it's bright and shiny, and it's got a great great bezel art and good controller. And I, I just like... The, like in the, in the same way that the game has lots of primary colors, the... It's not really primary colors on the art of the cabinet, but it's it's eye-catching and bright and looks fun. Like, it's a really good job to make you want to walk up to the cabinet. Like, that's the job of the cabinet is make you approach to consider the game. And whoever designed this cabinet really did a great job. This is a cabinet that would make everyone at least walk up to it. So, fantastic. Other than, so there was a stand-up traditional cabinet with the kind of lean-back monitor. So, the monitor is almost horizontal inside the cabinet. It's that shape. And there was also a cocktail cabinet. Cocktail cabinet is completely generic. Wood paneled sides, black top, no art at all. It's one of those complete generic cabinets uh, where they just put the game in and said, there, it could be any game you'd never know. Just put this in your bowling alley. So that's disappointing. But the actual stand-up cabinet is really nice and and, and doesn't go... T- typically, I find a line, um, there's a few price guides that all say it should be two to $300. It seems historically over the last couple of years, it's actually selling in the like three to $500 range. It seems how it goes. And on eBay, of course, as a thousand or two thousand, but whatever, who would buy a game on eBay? It's not rare in the least. So I'm kind of surprised that it isn't a game that would go for a hundred dollars, but I think just it's such an attractive looking cabinet. And I think there are a lot of people who really like the game. It's kind of iconic that way. And I think that's buoyed up the, the, the uh, collectible prices for it. I absolutely agree with that. I think that yeah. a lot of people are really nostalgic for this game. And mm-hmm. um, if you have one, a lot of these collectors will buy a couple just to, for, you know, to scavenge for parts. My favorite of, of that kind of story is, uh, uh, Rob O'Hara with his uh, multiple Shinobis. Yes. <laughs> Can't have enough Shinobis. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> totally awesome. So the... the uh, Do you know much about the 
the CPU and like the guts of the game. Yeah, but before we move on, just real quick, I wanted to say, um, as far as the the cocktail version of it, I was thinking about that. I've I've seen a lot of games that, that the cocktails kind of just dull, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's because they don't expect they didn't expect hardcore players to be playing on those games. They didn't expect them to be in an arcade, really, where they're competing with a lot of other games. Those things seem to end up in laundromats and pizza joints, you know, yeah. to play while you're waiting, um, as opposed to where you go into an arcade and you really need to draw somebody's eye in there if you're going to make a lot of quarters. Oh, you know what? Good point. Yeah, that's that's probably exactly true. Nice. Well, I never thought of that. I also think that this game should have had a horizontal monitor. It's a side-scroller, but the monitor is vertical, so it seems like it feels like it's a lot of wasted space at the top and the bottom. I thought, you know what? I that's one complaint I would have as well. I also felt that that it was like playing the game in the wrong aspect ratio. The main CPU is a, a Z80 at 3.072 megahertz. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That's what they're called. Yeah, Good yeah, boy. Yeah. It has a, uh, an identical Z, Z80 <laughs> chip. <laughs> See, I'm trying. You are trying. <laughs> at, uh, for, for the sound CPU at 1.78975 megahertz. So, so I, sorry, because I was talking over you, I didn't actually hear how fast is, cause it feels really zippy. How fast is the main CPU? You think on it feels it? zippy? See, I felt it was slow and Oh, dry, really? I thought for all the stuff that's on yeah. screen. Oh, I was just, I thought I was it... just waiting for, come on, come on, let's get to it, you know. Um, <laughs> whatever. Well, I think, I think part of that, okay, so, we talked a little bit about the gameplay. We'll get back to the CPU here in a minute, folks. It's a side scroll. It's a forced side scroller, which means you can't go back. You, it's moving forward and you're going to move on with it. You can accelerate yes. a little bit, I think up to like maybe a quarter of the way. Which isn't really screen. even like accelerating. You're right. It's sort of, you can move near the middle of the screen or you can move to the left of the screen. It does use a lot more fuel doing that. Yes. But overall, it's, you're on the left and things are scrolling in from the right and going by below. And it just felt kind of sluggish. Oh, come on. I'm so bored and like me when we're going to do something interesting. So that's how I felt. And that's why. See, for me, it felt like there's a lot of sprites on screen at once flying at you on the ground, missiles, and it was keeping up with it great. Well, there for were. A game from yeah, the CPU actually did keep, keep up with a lot of different elements on the screen, which puzzled me as to why this game is so boring. <laughs> I think it's just your negativity. The main CPU, as I said, was a Z80 at 3.072 megahertz. Okay, so that's a that's a big chunk of speed for a 1981 game. I guess because it has the one CPU, but still, that's a yeah. And and again, this this sort of fed back into my not understanding why this felt like such an old game. Uh, the sound CPU, like I said, was another Z80 um, at 1.78975 megahertz, which seems to be a fairly common frequency for the sound chips. I would have thought they'd have a PSG or something. Well, there were several dedicated sound chips as well. There were oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Because listening to the sound, I would have figured they'd have some sort of um, sound generator chip. Yeah, there were there were two of the AY8910s at the same 1.7. Oh, sure. Pretty typical. Right? And, and six RC chips at the same 1.7. Wow. So there was a lot of sound stuff going on there. And I think a lot of it was dedicated to that, that annoying oscillating sound in the background that just kept going on and on and on. Okay, so for that, I'll... I'll kind of agree there because that's a lot of sound hardware to throw at something that didn't really have amazing music. I'm kind of surprised because I quite like the sound because I thought it was really good sound probably coming from one simple chip. <laughs> so I don't think the sound justifies the hardware they threw at it. Two alternating players and the main history file here has it listed as a four-way joystick as well. See, what's up with that? And it is clearly not a four-way joystick. So all these sites are wrong, 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 wrong. Two buttons, one for the lasers that you shoot out in front of you and the bombs that you drop on the ground. Uh, oh, and it suckers you in by thinking you're doing well because you get 10 points per second of flying that slowly adds up. 
Yep. But you really can't pay attention to that. You, you got to get to those fuel tanks. It's all about the fuel tanks. Like when you're playing this game, it's hit the fuel tanks because if you miss too many of them in a row, you're going to run out of fuel. You're going to die. You try to shoot other things, sure, but it's the fuel tanks. Can't miss the fuel tanks. The other stuff that you're doing in the game is to get you to the fuel tanks. 10 points if you shoot a missile on the ground, 80 in the air. You get 100 points for the UFOs, 150 for the fuel. Uh, there are mystery bases throughout the game. Those are worth 100, to 100, 200, or 300 points. And the main base at the end is worth 800 points. Now, I'd mentioned again that this is this game sort of felt old to me, and I think this particular piece may have added to it. So later on in the arcade experience, in the maybe starting at 82 or 83, Scores really started to go up, and I'm not talking about high scores that you get. I'm talking about the the points that were awarded for things. So early right. early games gave you ten points for shooting a ship. You know, you might get twenty for a boss ship or something, and that was pretty much it. So scores would be a thousand, two thousand, right. five thousand. Later on, it was twenty, forty, fifty, hundred thousands, and then the millions and, and so forth. This is a game that had that sort of low point scoring system uh, that you found in a lot of these earlier games. Is that your excuse for your low score? Keep it up, Carrington. <laughs> Keep it up. It's awesome, baby. <laughs> so let's talk scores. Let's trash talk some scores. Why? I wish I had a chance to get on. If I knew you were doing good at this game, I would have gone on Twitter. I would have posted some scores. <laughs> I have missed an opportunity this week. I might, after this recording, still go on and post some scores. And I'll make fun of you for liking this game. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll totally take it. So how did you do, Mike? How did you do? I didn't get past... The little the first UFO curtain that that occurs at the beginning of stage two. Sure, yeah, I was gonna say I think that's stage two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I don't actually know what my high score was because it never exceeded ten thousand, and the game doesn't keep your score. As soon as you drop another quarter, and it blanks the one up, and it just you got the one up and the high score. There's there's no exactly. And ten thousand is the default high score. Right. So I think I got fifty one hundred or something like that. <laughs> well, I did much better. Yeah, but than you're you. gloating about a game that, that sucks. So <laughs> gloating about a game that is right all ahead, sorts friend. awesome. The rest of us will laugh at you. I now the thing is, as much as I might gloat, I can't finish the stinking game. Uh, I would get to the fifth zone, and I can't get past it to get to the even harder zone, which is the boss zone where you're going through a city and there's almost nothing there. It's just sort of a maze because I've seen it on video, but I can't even get there. So I got to the fifth zone. I can almost always get to the fifth zone, so I sort of get to the same place every time and die. My best score this week was 20,610. Very good, sir. Much higher than yours. <laughs> I will compliment you because I do not care. Yeah, fifth zone. But I love this game, man. I love this game. And a lot of people, I guess, did as well. Um, as proof that everyone in, in, in the 80s was completely insane, this game was uh, ported to just about every imaginable console and home computer system out at the time. There was also there was one of those little portable handheld game versions of this by Tommy Tronic. There was a Tommy Tronic... Uh, scramble, which was really good. I think it's one of the the best Tommy Tronic games was the scramble. So it was available everywhere, and there were a lot of not only was this game out there, but there were a lot of knockoffs. So I remember one game in particular that I actually really enjoyed uh, on the Apple II called Plasmania. Now this was a game where it was vertical, so you were at the bottom of the screen, but you were flying through the same kind of cave pattern, and it was the same sort of game mechanic. and And I know that there were a bunch more, not only for the Apple II shareware variations and things. But on pretty much every other platform that was out there. Iconic is the word you're searching for. It did spawn a sequel in late, later on in 1981 called Super Cobra. That's I forgot all about that. Right. So here's the question, Mike. It comes down to this. For the Mike McGinnis 
uh, Memorial Arcade. <laughs> <laughs> would you have one of these, two of these? How many scrambles would you have both to play and to save and savor? I would have as many as I could purchase. <laughs> so you could destroy them. Yes, That's I where you're going with this. Warehouse. I would stack them all up in the warehouse and I would set it on fire because I need to save you from yourself, obviously. Like the like the uh, stockpile of or the landfill of ET cartridges. Yes. Oh, did you hear that they're going to dig that up? I did. There's going to be a big documentary movie and all that. I can't wait. So, to what do you that. think? Do you think they'll just not find anything? Probably. It'll be like Capone's vault. There'll be one of them that's like in little pieces. Or my gut's telling me they find nothing. I'm, my my money's on nothing. Covered with wilted lettuce and chewed on by a rat or something. Um, ooh, ooh, and I, I can tell you that we're going to get feedback about my opinion on this game. I hope so. Because right in at he's wrong at monsterfeet.com. Well, yes. He's going to set up a special email address just for I that. probably am. Um the Arcade Museum has a photo of the yellow cabinet that you're talking about contributed mm-hmm. by Rob O'Hara. Hey, very nice. So Rob not only had this game but cared about it enough to contribute an image to this Rob is website. a wise wise man. I have thought that for years. And I'm going to unfriend Rob immediately and uh, <laughs> I will friend him twice. I'll set up another Twitter account just to friend him to make up for you. So there. Ha. I got you back, Rob. The tagline for this game is is um, you drop a quarter in and it starts, how far can you invade our scramble system? Not very far, Konami. It sucks. <laughs> I can get to level five. I had a question. Or for zone you. five. What's your question? Did the Konami code work on this? Oh, I can't believe I didn't try. Oh, I'm such a schmoo. Oh, man. I don't know. I guess maybe somebody else try and write it and let us know. That's crazy. I can't believe I didn't try. Oh, silly, silly me. I know that it doesn't work on my Fix-It Felix cabinet. And it's just the sort of thing I thought they would build in. I wonder how many people, if anybody, were, a- were able to actually guess the game from the... Uh, that was pretty short. I didn't see any guesses Did we get anybody? Did we fool them because of the... I don't know when we do stuff like that because when we don't get anything at all. Like, some people will, will guess and they'll just be wrong with some things. And then we don't get guesses at all. And I don't know if it's because... They don't know when they don't want to be wrong, or they're they're just like I have no idea why bother. Right, or it's too obvious. I got to make it an even shorter beep next week. <laughs> well, you're not picking another game. <laughs> picking scramble again. No, no, no. Like eggs. So yeah, I uh, I talk it up a lot here because it's fun to to mess with my co-host Carrington. But I didn't hate the game. I just was kind of bored with it, and it's not it's not one that I'm going to play again. Can't even get my head around that man. There are so many games that I find boring as well, but this game is a classic. Okay, there you have it, folks. So what do we got next week? What could possibly compare to this? I'm going to call up our... You and I have set up a little games list. Well, mostly you have set up a games list, and I've gone, cool, games list. <laughs> I'm going to go through right now, and I'm going to pick a game. Woo-hoo, do it, do it, hit me. Ooh, I want to play that. Okay, what's it sound like? It sounds like this. So unless anybody has anything else to add, Carrington... I would like us to start again and talk about this game. In fact, next week, I think we should talk about Scramble 2 by Omni Video Games (laughs) (laughs) and then sue each other about it. I'd actually be interested in doing that, not necessarily for the game, but because of the the history that sort of surrounds Well, we could do a show about knockoffs. That would be a fun show, like crappy knockoffs of real games. The thing I like about this, what we're doing here, isn't isn't that I get to play games that I remember, because I can do that anytime, just fire up MAME or go down to the Mm one-up. I like talking about stuff that I've never seen before and discovering sure. discovering these these really cool or maybe sometimes not so cool obscure games that I've never played and not only playing them but then learning about their history and who got sued over what 
Dude, I am totally with you on that. A, a good third or quarter of the games we've played were new to me so far. So, and those have been some of my favorite shows. I love them, regardless of how good the game is. I love a new game. So, I think that brings us to the end of this week's. It does. Time to go play some more Scramble. And if you're if you're if you just listened to this, it's time to fire up your email and send Mike hate mail. <laughs> Yes, it is. We've come to that time of the week where it's time to send my hate mail. You can send it to Carrington at uh, Vanston.net. Because I like to read your hate mail. It does well. And if you send it to me, it'll never get read. If you send it to him, he'll read it on the, on the air. So Almost certainly. All right, everybody. Have a good week. Bye. You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Feedback can be sent to noquarter at monsterfeet.com. And like all Monster Feet podcasts, the original material in this show has been released to the public domain. Monster Feet.